Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPJ professional Sydney Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Rodrigo, and right alongside, of course, is LBJ professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. We've got a, a great show. It's um, very, very excited. We've got a, another winner from the uh, Symmetra Tour, uh, Anna Bellux. Uh, she won the, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, she won the Carolina Golf Classic. And uh, she's also currently number one in the, or uh, finished number one in the uh, Volvic race for the card and also player of the year. So we're excited to have her. And then a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by LPJ member and head women's golf coach women's of California State University, Gina Umek. Uh, she's going to be coming back on the show. Um, so I'm very, very excited. But uh, let me just remind everybody, of course, the Women of Golf is brought to you by iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast and of course golf tips the game's most in-depth instruction magazine offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment tips from top pga and lpga teacher professionals all designed to help improve your game from tee to green so subscribe today go to golftipsmag.com all right cindy our first guest is waiting in the wing and uh she's actually originally from slovenia but she's now uh residing in durham uh, so we're excited to have her, and as I mentioned, she is the winner of the Carolina Golf Classic uh, on the Symmetra Tour and number one in the Volvic race for the card. So let's welcome Anna Bellux. Good Hi, morning. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. So offline we were discussing what you're getting ready for. Can you tell us? Oh, yeah, I'm getting ready for the U.S. Women's Open, um, and that's going to be in Houston in the second week of December. So I'm really excited about that. And they're playing it on two different courses. Can you give us some scoop? Yeah, so normally um, the U.S. Women's Open is played mid-year, so now we have an issue with daylight, so they decided they're going to split the field and play in two different courses in Houston. Um, so that's going to be a little different than any year before. Um, but I've had experience before playing tournaments with a couple different courses. And it's going to be an interesting week, you know, getting all this information in during practice rounds and figuring out how to play to different courses. A real test, if you will. What are the two courses? Um, so they're at a Champions Club in Houston, in Texas. So we're playing both oh, of them. that's awesome. Yeah. Aren't there some famous people that were members of Champions Golf Club? Mm, I want to know. <laughs> I believe it might be like Ben Hogan. 
<laughs> oh, really? I, yeah. That's I don't where really they, all these big, the big old men used to hang out and solve <laughs> the problems of the world, I believe. Am I right, Ted? I believe you are right, yeah. Um, I, ben Hogan, I know for sure, and, and there might be a few others. Uh, I'm not... I'm not when it comes to golf history, I'm not an expert either. I need to brush up on it, but uh, I believe you are right. I believe Ben Hogan was uh, uh, was a, a member there. Um, yeah, but yeah, very I'm very exciting. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, so that's um, kind of cool. Very exciting. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me ask you on a, a a question here. I'm just going to butt in here for a second, and then send you can uh, take back again. Um, so. Tell us a little bit about your year out on tour. This year obviously was a little bit different with everything going on with the pandemic and that, but how did you find um, getting used to just, you know, being out there in the professional circuit? Uh, how did you find it? What were some of the, the challenges that you found? And um, how long did it kind of take you to kind of get settled in a little bit? I think the most challenging part was restarting to play competitive golf um, right after the pandemic and right after the lockdown. So I think my biggest challenge was just getting back into the feel of the game and getting competitive again. Uh, The golf itself, obviously, like I've played college golf at Duke, so that was really high-level competition all the time. So that didn't change for me much. But getting used to travel and do it all on my own without my coaches organizing everything for me, that was a little different, obviously. Um, but as I said, just like adjusting to everything after so many things that changed during the lockdown, I think that was the biggest challenge. Like, what are you allowed to do? What are you not allowed to do? And just it changed, I feel, the game itself of the travel and figuring out how to do everything. So what did you do? Let me just follow up. What did you do um, during that shutdown period? I mean, early... You know, I can recall like Cindy and I have um, had the pleasure of interviewing uh, the winners each season for several seasons now uh, from Symmetra. And um, we literally got started off this season, I think the very first event, and then the next event, it was shut down. Um, what did you do during that period before they started up again? Obviously, I'm sure you practiced in that, but what did you do to kind of keep your game sharp because you're not really able to compete uh, in any tournaments for for a little while, what were you doing to kind of keep your game on 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 the uh, on the up and up, as it were? Well, first of all, like I was still at Duke. Um, I graduated in May, so the first two months were pretty much just doing schoolwork and focusing on that. Um, and then, as I was done with school, I started practicing a little bit. You know, finding ways to get out on the course uh, on the courses that weren't shut. <laughs> so I was really fortunate to um, meet some people down in Pinehurst that would invite me in to play with them. So I got a lot of rounds down here in Pinehurst. Um, and just try to keep, keep my game sharp, you know, like played a lot on the course, um, didn't really get on the driving range too much, and just try to play as many rounds as I could just to, like, maintain a level of my game and play little games with myself, you know, try to beat my previous best or, you know, just make it interesting out on the course. Um, so I think that was the key for for my game to maintain it and then be able to transition into back playing professional golf and um, just golf in general. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot of the uh, young ladies were in the same boat as you. I think they took advantages wherever possible and, and uh, just sort of went on with life until, uh, until they were able to get back out there and compete. Uh, So um, very interesting. Um, Cindy, go ahead. What are the best, 
What are the best parts of your game? Um, I would say putting. Putting's probably my best part. Um, I don't really three wow. putt much. Um, like I obviously don't hole as many as I want to sometimes, but I tend to stay away from three putting and making like big mistakes um, on the green. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so you just graduated in May. Yes. And you were trying to play, do remote school, and finish number one on the money list on the Symmetra Tour. Is that correct? Correct. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's awesome. What the heck? Uh, what yeah, it makes was you so so amazing? That's like awesome. <laughs> I think it was just my work ethics since I was very little. Um, you know, growing up, I lived 45 minutes away from the nearest golf course, so my whole day had to be really structured, and I had to really focus on whatever I was doing at a certain moment. So I kind of brought that with me to college. Um, you know, like I majored in statistics, which required lots of work. Um, and then it, I kind of took it to professional golf. Um, I mean, at first it was kind of weird being at home and not being able to do anything because of the lockdown, but then eventually, like, I think the work ethic is going to help me structure my day, even though I didn't have anything to do. So that was kind of like the whole thing that kind of kept me up there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I, do you make lists? What what do you use to organize your day? Do you use like a do you make a list? Do you use a a platform online? What do you do? I think it just comes naturally. Like I don't really write down things. Um, I'm not like a big like notebook person or a planner person. I just try to think, you know, like what I have to do today, and then maybe start off with things that annoy me the most. You know, like doing some emails, like maybe schoolwork back then. And then I just go from there, you know, like I try to accomplish um, as many things as I can and just figure out like when I'm going to practice and when I'm going to do other things. So it's more like, you know, like a plan in my head rather than like writing anything down. Um, so, but I just like, try to keep myself accountable and um, com- accomplish everything I want to in a certain day. So. Wow. That's awesome. Ted? So, Anna, let me ask you, um, you talked about living close to uh, a golf course back home. Uh, Who introduced you to the game? And at what age did you uh, sort of get bitten by the the golf bug, if you were? Yeah, so I I lived 45 minutes away from the nearest course, so it wasn't really like a natural choice um, to play golf, but my parents started playing when I was very little and then kind of got me lessons because they thought it would be a good chance, you know, some, spend some family time together on the course. At first I hated golf, like absolutely hated it. Um, I was an alpine skier and I was racing until I was 14. So, and I played some tennis in the track and field. So I was just playing lots of sports. And then I kind of, when my skiing career was kind of coming to an end, I started thinking about um, focusing more on golf. So it was kind of late that I really started, like, thinking that maybe um, I could play golf more seriously. 
Um, I mean, growing up, I wanted to be a professional athlete at first. I thought I was going to be a skier. So that competitive mindset kind of trans- kind of transferred to golf. Um, so I kind of started focusing more at about, like, 13 um, when I got to the national team. Um, and then it all went from there. Tell us about the national team. So I was... I think one of the youngest people that ever got into national team, I was really fortunate. I was strong as a young girl because I played so many sports. So I could hit the ball far most of the time, even further than my 18 year old colleagues. (laughs) So that kind of helped. And I loved practicing short games. So that was kind of what brought me to the national team and brought the coach's attention. Um, I played in my first um, world team championship when I was 15 and played it three times. Um, so I was always on the very um, front of the national team, kind of like a steady person that like, they relied on at championships. So, but it was really fun years. You know, I got to play in lots of different countries all over the world, um, meet a lot of new people. And it's funny because now I'm meeting again people out here that I've played in, with jun- in junior golf. So I haven't seen some of them like, maybe like seven or eight years, and now we're reunited. So that's kind of fun, you know, like just the opportunities that I got through playing in a national team. Wow. That's great. Now let me ask you this. What was the national team? Slovenia? Slovenia, yeah. Wow. And who else was on the team with you? Um, some of them don't play anymore. You know, I was much younger than everybody else. And now there's younger kids out there. Um, but I mostly like, when I met other people that were my age from other countries, these are the people that I kept in touch the most. So it was just fun times, you know. (laughs) That's great. Ted? So, Anna, let me ask you, um, to follow up from something you said earlier, um, you obviously like to be very structured. Uh, you're a statistics type of person, so you like to, to, to know the figures and the facts and so forth. Do you find when you're that type of a player that if you're out in, in an event and something doesn't go right, do you find that that has helped you to sort of re- get yourself refocused? Yeah, definitely. Like one of my um, kind of like beliefs is that if there's a certain average, like let's say I'm averaging so many putts, and if I'm putting worse than that, I'm still thinking, you know, something's got to even out later in the round or later in the week to bring me down back to that average. Um, and if something's like, you know, like let's say I hit a five terrible shots, I kind of believe that five good ones are coming. So um, that kind of helps me. And also from like in terms of what to work on in a given moment in my game, it kind of helps me think analytically. And maybe I had a lot of putts that around, but it might be my approach game's fault or my short game's fault. So I tend to be very structural in that aspect So um, and to analyze my game and just like analyze the conditions I'm playing um, and, and not freak out about little things and maybe try to fix something that's not worth fixing. 
Hang on, I'm I'm writing this down. Uh, let me see if I get this right. So if I hit five bad shots, five good ones are going to come my way. I like that. I like that. That's a great way to uh, to approach. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna write that's that one down for, for my. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's... <laughs> that that's like your statistic degree. Like yeah, okay, no emotion. This is just the way it's all gonna work out. I love it. Yeah, I don't really put much emotion into golf because um, it would it could drive me crazy. So I try to like thinking very, you know, in terms of like statistics and just like very like using my reason rather than my emotion on the course. Um, so that kind of, I what think helps me in some tough situations. <laughs> you know, Cindy, yeah, let me what just a great say idea. This. Yeah. That brings up a really interesting point because, you know, for some players who are, you know, much more emotional about their game, tend to get on, you know, highs and lows. And when you're somebody that sort of looks and crunches the numbers for lack of better words and looks at it from a statistical standpoint, because, you know, Ana, you, you know, your game, you know what you're capable of doing, you know, uh, certainly you're going to have some bad shots here and there that that's inevitable for anybody. But what's interesting about your approach is that by not allowing the emotion into it, you're, you're basically able to dissect your game in such a way um, that if you do get into, quote-unquote, a little bit of a slump, you know based on your previous play that that's going to change at some point um, as long as you stick to your game plan. And I think that's a really very um, way I of looking at, at your game also, because, um, again, you're not allowing the motion. Yeah, exactly. I think like it also comes down to very little things, such as, like, did I make a mistake of hitting a bad shot or was it a miscalculation mistake so I tend to forgive myself bad shots that are made like just because I hit a bad shot because I know I'm only human but if I'm making tactical right. mistakes or misreading a putt I know it's on me so um, I would get more mad like, in, maybe in that aspect and um, like let's say I'm keep overreading the putts I know I'm overreading them so maybe on next time I'll try to like maybe underread it and hopefully that works you know it's just like looking at it analytically, was it a bad shot, a bad putt, or was it a bad decision? So um, I think that really helps me putting yeah. things in perspective. You know, I'm, I know I'm going to hit bad shots, but I can control not right. making strate- strategical mistakes out on the course. So, Well, and it helps you isolate, you know, again, coming from that approach, it helps you isolate very quickly what the problem is. And, you know, sometimes, you know, some of the other players go through a whole round, even a whole event, not really under, you know, they know their putter's not working or they know that their short game is, is not working well, but they can't really sometimes uh, isolate it. And, you know, what we've experienced here, speaking with some of the other young ladies, when they get into a bit of a funk, if you will, um, emotionally, they get very down on themselves and start to lose some confidence. And uh, not saying that, you know, that can't happen to you, but I think you found a way to really sort of get around that. Would you agree with that a little bit, do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, for example, like, in some instances, you know that a part of your game is not working well. Like, let's say, like, you have a hard time chipping on a certain grass. Then I just try to play more conservatively, like, approaches to the green, you know, so I would avoid chipping if I miss a shot. Um, or just like, you know, putting myself in good yardages and good spots um, to get to the green if maybe I'm not feeling as good about a part of my game. Um, 
but yeah, like that analytical approach really helps me with maybe like damage control. You know, if you get in a bogey train and then you kind of want to catch yourself back around par, it just really helps me to play, to like realize what was off and fix that real quick on the course. Cause then I can always go into driving range and fix whatever didn't work, but, and get some confidence there. But during play, I think it's important to figure out how to score at the end of the day. Yeah, you want to hop off that bogey train real quick, uh, and that's oh, yeah. definitely the way to do it. Cindy, yeah, Cindy, go ahead. I just, I love the way you're you're seeing all this. It's it's unemotional. It's all about the facts. Um, <laughs> let's pretend we've got 155 yards into a pin that's on the right side of the green. There's a bunker left front. Talk us through what you're doing to. Pre- plan, prepare, and produce a golf shot? Yeah, so let's say, like, I have, a, like, 50, 155 is my full shot in, with a certain iron, and it would probably be a 7. Um, but if I'm feeling good and if I like the pin and like the shot, how it looks, then I would probably just go for it. Um, but let's say, like, I'm, like, between the clubs or – you know, wind is like blowing a funky way or just not feeling good about that shot in that moment, I would probably play conservatively. You know, if we have like a tucked pin, I would play on the safe side and maybe like take a club more and swing it easy just to get it like above the pin if that's a safer spot or maybe below the pin if that's a safer spot. So unless like I'm feeling 100% about a shot, I would usually pick um slightly more conservative way to make sure I don't make a dumb mistake and then have to scramble for, for par. So everything's about strategy and planning. Yeah. If you're feeling good, go for it, even when I would. But, you know, most of the times you're not going to feel 100% about a shot. So I just try to see, like, what are the odds? What is the most, um, what is the safest way to still get me a possible birdie or a safe bar? Got it. Brilliant. Ted? You know, on a really... Um, you know, when I hear you talking about your game, it's very reminiscent of some of the best players in the world. Um, you know, AK Jack Nicholas, Annika Sorenstam, Tiger Woods, you know, they were all very analytical in their game. Um, and, you know, put a lot of thought into it and played, um, you know, a game, you know, Jack Nicklaus famously said that certain holes didn't fit his eye, so he changed his strategy for that particular hole. And then when he got back to the next hole and it now suited his particular uh, style of, of play, you know, then he could be a little bit more aggressive. So, um, you know, those are the telltale signs, I think, uh, of a true champion. And, you know, because they, they, they look at things a little bit differently than everybody else. And uh, I think um, you're on a, a great train, if you will, or track um, with, with your, um, you know, with your, your type of play, because, you know, when you can remove a lot of emotion out of it, um, then you're not as, as you pointed out earlier, you're not as hard on yourself when you do have some, you know, hiccups here and there. Um, you're able to analyze, understand very quickly what the problem is. Um, if it's a, a change you can make right away, great. If not, you, you deal with it when you get off uh, off the course and on the range. You can you know work things that way. Um, but sort of skipping beats here for just a second, I, I want to go to when you're off the course, when you don't have to have that analytical brain going 
um, and playing golf, do you then sort of flick the switch and say, okay, now this is just me time. I'm going to go out and do whatever it is I want to do, have some fun, whatever. I don't have to worry about focusing on my game right now. I'm just going to go out and be on a, be a young woman and, and just have some, some fun with friends. And I know this year has been a little tough with the pandemic, but you know, if you, as you look back uh, in, in little different times, is that something that you're able to, to do fairly easily? Oh yeah. When I'm off the course, like I don't think about golf. Um, I don't want to talk about golf or, you know, I, I kind of take it as like my job. So I think it saves me a lot of energy when I do come on the course and I have to focus. I'm fresh. So I'm not like overthinking off the course. Um, and I like to just, you know, spend some free time. I love the gym. I love, I do some Olympic weightlifting on the side just to like keep myself strong. Um, I absolutely love going to the gym and then I'm more of an introvert. So I like to stay home, you know, and like maybe watch some Netflix or, um, just let you know, like recharge my batteries. Um, so I think I just like, like to keep a good balance. You know, sometimes I would hang out with my friends. Um, I still live next to college. So a lot of people that I went to college with are still around there. So that's really nice to come back home and feel like me and not necessarily a professional golfer, but just me, like friends who know, who knew, who knew me before. So I don't have to talk about golf all the time and can just focus on being me, you know? So I really like that. Well, I think the blue devils are missing you. Boy, I'll tell you, um, what a, what a great <laughs> young lady. Uh, wouldn't you agree, Cindy? Absolutely. Absolutely. You just keep that mindset and, and it's like, ho oh, hum, here we go. What's next? <laughs> I, I absolutely love your mindset. You're going to do amazing <laughs> things and hopefully really have a lot of them. fun doing them. Yeah, this is yeah. awesome. I couldn't agree more. Well, Anna, we want to thank you very much for joining us this morning. We've got a, we've got a part ways, but um, good luck in the U.S. Open. Uh, I have no doubt that uh, you're going to do very, very well. And good luck for next season as well when you get back out there. And hopefully uh, everything will kind of get back to somewhat of a normalcy that you can get out there and play a full schedule. But uh, thank you very much for, for stopping by and talking a little golf with us this morning here on the Women of Golf Show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Good luck, honey. Thank You're very you. welcome. Congratulations. All right. Bye-bye, Anna. Um, you know, Cindy, just uh, before we bring um, uh, Jean out here, I just wanted to mention, you know, it, it's interesting, and, and I think there's a lot of truth to, to, you know, what I said. You know, when you look at some of the really high-caliber players, I mean, there's lots of winners, obviously, out on the, on the tours, but if you look at the ones that really sort of push ahead, I would say, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe there's some that, that aren't in that category, but wouldn't you agree that most of them tend to be very, very analytical and and um, and really focus on those types of things as opposed to be more of an emotional player. What are your thoughts? I can tell you through all my research, those who are more laid back <clears throat> and unemotional and ho hum, and if you would uh, the S C personality rather than the D I, so. Mm-hmm. This girl is definitely an SC or a CS because she majored in statistics. Um, they make the best tour players, that personality style. How would I know? Because I'm married to one and, and I'm the opposite. Yeah. I'm the DI. So Tiger Tiger would be probably a DI with a little bit of C in him. 
Um, but the loud motor mouth person who can't focus, um, they're going to have a harder time on tour. This girl's got the greatest mindset. This is awesome. She reminds me a lot of Annika Sorenstam in her personality. Annika was very much, especially early on in her career, I mean, towards the end, she kind of, you know, loosened up a little bit and was, uh, you know, a little bit more. But when when you go back and you look at Annika when she was first out on tour, I mean, she was so laser focused in her game. Every shot that was to her shots, um, you know, there was very little emotion. You know, if she did have a bad shot, uh, you didn't really, you know, uh, you know, unless you actually saw the shot, you would have never known. Her emotions never vary. But now inside, she may have, you know, been ripping her herself apart. Who knows? But, um, but I don't know if you saw that or not, or if you see the comparison. But I think she's very, very much like an Annika Sorenstam. Now, whether she gets to the same uh, level or, or heights, that's up to her. But do you see what I mean? Like she just very, um, again, as you said, her personality is is I would almost say almost stoic. What do you think? Yeah, it's like okay, how do we figure this number out, right? I mean, it's just yeah. there is no emo- it's all facts, which is going to make her so much better. I figure if I miss three shots, I'm going to hit three great shots. There you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Her beliefs. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I think it goes to like she said, it goes to the confidence. Um, you know, she can get out there. She can compete, and she knows that if a certain part of her game, like she said, her putting, you know, is is the better part of her game. But if it if it lets her down a little bit, um, she's going to play the percentages. She knows that, um, you know, based on the numbers of her game, that she's not going to three putt as much, and so she knows she'll get it back at some point. Um, very very interesting. Um, you know, we, we've interviewed, as, as I mentioned to her, you know, we've interviewed a lot of the young ladies on here, but I think that's the first one I've ever heard that really approaches it from that um, aspect. I don't think I've heard any of the others, at least not that I can recall, um, but uh, very, very interesting. It'd be interesting to watch her career uh, as she moves forward. All right, uh, it's time to bring on our uh, next guest. Of course, she was with us uh, just a little while ago, Gina Umek. Uh, she's a member of the LPGA, and she's also the uh, head women's golf coach for California State University. Uh, Cindy, let's uh, welcome Gina back to the show. Good morning. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Ted. How are you? We're, We're doing, doing well. How are, How are you? you? Uh, I'm doing well enough. Well enough. Really? Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. Is anybody really doing well right now? <laughs> I, I'm yeah. doing well. I think golf. I, I mean, think golf I, in general is doing well. Yeah, as a business, I think golf in general is doing well. Um, I always kind of feel a little guilty these days, saying, "Oh, I'm great," you know. <laughs> I mean, for for purposes of social graces, of course, um, things are fine. But um, but yeah, I'm doing well enough. I'm, uh, you know, I I think we have it better than most uh, in the golf industry. You know, at this time, certainly golf is just absolutely booming. So, um, yeah, a really good thing that's coming out yeah. of it. Most definitely, yeah. I uh, Gina, I stopped. I stopped feeling bad um, months ago. You know, I, I, I was like you. You know, you kind of you don't want to be out there bragging because a lot of people, obviously, as we know, are going through a very difficult time and have been. 
Um, and, uh, you know, golf, as you pointed out, and we all know has, has really gotten a, as I've said before, a booster shot in the arm really, uh, in so many ways. Yeah. And, uh, it's a little bit, you know, difficult to go out there and, you know, be like Dorothy kick, clicking your heels together and be excited about, uh, you know, what we do, but, um, you know, that, that sometimes happens and, uh, yeah, I, I've just got to the point, I, I'm not going to feel bad anymore just because golf is doing well, because there's been, we've had our fair share of downs as well. So, um, but let me ask you, yeah, um, we sure have. Just, yeah, I mean, over the years, you know, there's been ups and downs with every industry, but golf has, you know, had, uh, lots of people coming into the game, but, uh, we've had quite a few leaving the game as well for various reasons. And, um, so this has been, uh, this has really been a, 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 like I said, a booster shot. Let me ask you the first question, just because, um, you can sort of approach it from this side. What's sort of the current state of, of college golf right now with everything going on? I know there's a lot of uncertainties. What, what's the schedule going to look like for next year? Do you know yet? Um, are you playing, yeah, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, give us an update on what's yeah. happening. Yeah. And I think that's, that's also partially responsible for my, um, my <laughs> lukewarm response. I certainly didn't mean to, that was all in jest, of course. Um, the, the state of athletics is just, uh, couldn't be more uncertain in, in so many ways, Ted. Um, the, the Ivy League just uh, called off winter sports, and they tend to be sort of the pace setter. Um, certainly the SEC did not follow suit back in in spring. You know, like the SEC, they were going to play college sports, period, end of story, never wavered. Um, so they, they did not follow suit, but, um, the, uh, sorry, the, the Ivy league just called off winter sports and they said they weren't going to announce, uh, make an announcement about spring sports until something like March. Um, so that's, that was the first sort of earth shattering report we got on somebody making a move for the upcoming seasons. Um, and like I said, they were always kind of the first to go. Uh, and we don't know. I currently don't, you know, uh, a lot of college coaches don't know uh, if they're even going to be able to practice in January and February. Um, wow. If much less have competition, right? And I, there are inter- international players, you know, that are in their home countries. Should I fly in? Should I not? Should I get an apartment? Should I not? Um, so it's, uh, it's like completely uncertain and we're like, you know, middle of November right now. And I, I have no idea what I'm going to do in January. Um, but yeah, we're still a yeah, sport, a state- you know, we still exist. <laughs> They're going to school. Right. Well, um, I'm responsible, to- you know, for them to, to get good grades and things like that. Yeah, and a lot. What I was going to say was a lot of the states. I know Chicago has done that, and and I'm sure um, California as well. But um, you know, have have now just uh, initiated a stay at home. So you're right. A lot of international players are uncertain should they come over or not. Um, you know, are they going to? You know, what restrictions are they going to face? It's it's very uncertain for, and you know, not only for you as as the coach but for the players as well, what can they do? What can't they do? You know, are they going to have events to play in? Um, or are they just going to kind of, you know, sit at home with some popcorn and watch Netflix for the next, you know, three months or, you know, what, what's going to happen. 
Um, what do you say yeah, to your team? Exactly. What, what, what do you say to your team? You know, because there is a lot of uncertainty. Uh, or, or what can you say, really? Because you don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can't specifically talk about CSUN and, and just because of recruiting roles, sure. but um, coaches, uh, I think, are delivering. You know, coaches are trying to be as positive as, as possible. You know, and encouraging and really encouraging on the mental health side because nobody is on Zoom for six hours, you know, up to this point, all day on in classes and other meetings. You know, of course, during this time, they have like a slew of other meetings, right? They're not just going to class. It's like they've got academic check-ins and they've got um, – you know, strength and conditioning check-ins and they've got mental health check-ins. And it's like, it's like these check-ins are coming out of everywhere. So it's just another 30 minutes hour on zoom. Um, So I think all coaches are just trying to be as positive as possible, you know, and Um, what else can you be when you don't, you're the leader and you're supposed to have all the answers and you have literally nothing to say. You have no answers. Um, trying to make the best of that time, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be uh, filled up with golf. Try to make the best of this time. You know, when when else are you going to have this sort of cloaked opportunity, right, to to be really have, have no obligations outdoors? Um, you you have school, obviously, that that is your primary obligation right now. But, um, you know, when are you going to have this time to devote to yourself in different types of ways? Yeah, yeah, no, so true. Um, it, it, it's very difficult, and I imagine, you know, obviously it's difficult for someone like yourself that's in your position, uh, but more so for, for you know, the um, the young ladies on, on the uh, – you know, on the teams, um, they want to get out there just like, uh, our last guest, you know, she wants to get out there. She wants to compete. She wants to play. That's what she's there for, you know, on tour. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, they've had a, a shake season. They've played, you know, out of, I think 20 some odd events on the Symmetra tour this year, they only played about 10. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of uncertainty. And then now, as I, I just mentioned, you know, with many of the States, uh, considering going back into some form of a lockdown, I mean, who knows what the new year is going to look like. So it's very uncertain. And, uh, you know, you can only handle so much school and academia for, you know, for so many hours a day <laughs> without having to release. I know from my, I can go, go back uh, in my uh, mental Rolodex and, and uh, yeah, I couldn't handle much more than, you know, um, six, seven hours a day and not have some sort of a release when I got home. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I know you've got some questions. How many, how many students did you have that came back, seniors coming back for another year? Any? Uh, I did, Cindy. I had one come back for a sixth year. And and this is, I mean, what kind of a year really is this? You know, it might not even be. Yeah, it's worse than last year. <laughs> yeah, it's almost, uh, she's just kind of getting a expansion on her degree, which is great. You know, that, that's fantastic. Um, so you have not played point, any of that? No. No, the Big West has not played any events. Uh, which is my conference. Um, other conferences, like I said, are are obviously out there playing the SEC. Um, but if you think about the whole picture of what it looks like 
to be actually playing right now and all the testing that's happening and all the isolation. And um, I don't know that it's a really pretty picture. You know, I'm not exactly sad that my, my um, athletes are where they are um, being, you know, isolated in a dorm room and being on zoom for six hours. You can't, can't see anybody else. I mean, would it be better to be home with family? Uh, you know, getting tested multiple times. You know, it's just, honestly, Cindy, it's not a pretty picture in going through all these protocols that you have to go through uh, in order to even practice right now. So So, let me ask you this. If if the season's canceled for next semester or quarter, whatever you've got going on, could these students, decide to go home and do remote school? Yeah, most students right now are home. They are not at school or they're not oh, near really? the university if they have apartments or dorms or or whatnot. Um, only certain sports that are practicing and, and competing currently are on campus, uh, on the various campuses. So, uh uh, yeah, the majority of students are are in their home countries or in their home states already. When did they go there? Uh, they just never returned for the fall. Oh, they so, did. Uh, yeah, everybody for the most part, uh, most schools, their their students, their student athletes went home in March when everything happened, and they just never returned. and didn't come back. Oh, wow. Correct. We've got a student that we teach, and she's at Towson University. And, again, I mean, part of me, if my kids are, you know, out of college and have jobs now, but uh, part of me was like, you know what, I got news for you. If I was paying sixty or $70,000 a year and you couldn't <laughs> play golf, and, you know, you'd be home with me and you'd be transferring, you know, um, yeah. which is uh, terrible yeah. to say, but, I mean, I, I – I don't need well, to yeah, pay that's, 60000 a danger. year for you to learn on Zoom. And then what right, happens right. to all the schools? I mean, it's just, I, no offense, but this virus or the vaccine's got to come out. Like, it's got to come out, like, fast. Right. And you're and not unique work. in, in your, um, you're very, that's very much what people are, are thinking and doing, what parents are thinking and doing, and, and that's very much what's happening. You know, I think when the, in football, when the conferences, decided to go forward with the exception of the big 10 and the pac 12. Um, they really kind of dug their heels in, you know, in terms of safety and um, they did not want to go forward. And ultimately if they didn't decide to go forward with the rest of the conferences, all their players would have transferred, right? You, the, the conference and the football teams would have dissolved, you know, these kids want to go pro and they want to get noticed and, um, you know, there's not a like a loyalty like there used to be really where it's like, let's stick it out with coach. You know, there's so much money riding on the line for these kids to turn pro that um, they're not no. going to mess around. If they can't play at UCLA uh, in the Pac-12, they're going to go to Auburn or they're going to go, you know, they're going to go to the SEC or try to get in there so they can play. So you oh, hit the nail on the yeah. head, Cindy. Absolutely. That's that's the danger. And my conference or the Big West being in um, 
one of the most cautious, under one of the most cautious protocols, you know, um, it doesn't necessarily bode well for, for big West schools. Hmm. I, you know what? I don't think I even understood this. That's terrible. Ted, go ahead. You know, it's a very precarious situation because really, um, you know, on one hand, you know, we all want to be responsible, but at the other hand too, is you cannot just, you know, bring your life to a screeching halt. Um, and you're right. right. Uh, you know, Gina with the kids, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in the South, so I know what you're talking about the SEC. I mean, uh, and I happen to be, by the way, an Auburn fan. So we're, we're glad to have you at Auburn, um, but, <laughs> but anyways, um, <laughs> You know, a lot of these kids, they want to get out and play, and you're right. They want to get noticed, um, you know, and they want to pursue their career. And, you know, if you think about some of these kids that have, uh, as Cindy pointed out, that are, are spending, um, you know, the parents or what have you are spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to get them into some of these great colleges and universities, uh, only to basically sit there in a Zoom call for six or seven hours a day, um, and not be able to get out there, get noticed, or what have you, um, that's very, very difficult to to wrap your mind around. And you as a coach, um, you know, even have a tougher job because, like you said, what do you say to them? I mean, you try to be positive and you try to do that, but what do you say to them? Hey, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, that's just the way it is, and we're all going to have to just deal with it. Um, they don't look at it the same way. They're like, you know, hey, I'm pretty healthy. I want to get out there. I want to play, and I'll take my chances. And, and, you know, you don't want them to be irresponsible. But at the same time, um, you know, I think of as a, as a kid, some of the stuff we got into and, uh, you know, the toxicity and, and uh, you know, and, and we all managed to survive. I think we have to really look at this from a different key. But um, and enough of my diatribe. Let's get back into golf. But um, so when you're in a situation, Gina, like this, and, you know, let's say you've, you've been playing and you've really crafted your game. Um, and then suddenly you have a season like this, what do you do to sort of keep your gains, if you will? And by gains, I mean, keep your ability sort of up to snuff when you've had a lot of downtime like this, what do you do to keep your game sharp? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's luckily enough, there's been um, some people who have really pivoted on this opportunity um, the GCAA, which is the Golf Coaches Association, uh, has hosted some events, has, has run some events, because then there's the issue of schools themselves not wanting to host because of all the liabilities associated with it. So um, there's been some um, entities that have really pivoted uh, in taking the bull by the reins and, and just hosting events, host a college event you know, invite college players and they've completely filled up. It's, it's kind of like where it's at right now. Um, right. <laughs> you want a secret little fundraiser moneymaker, just host a college event um, in a, in a, you know, COVID area or whatever. Um, so there have been opportunities. There are opportunities uh, to do that. Um, like anything else, I, I kind of, you know, think of it as, well, what if you even didn't have that opportunity? What if you, what if you can't spend three hundred dollars on an entry fee or whatever they they they're charging? You know, 
you have to figure out ways to keep yourself sharp. You know, um, when I was playing on Symmetra Tour and, and doing that kind of thing, I mean, there weren't as many events then. So you had this sort of like long off season, you know, you had right. you know, once in a while, they somebody would like kick us an event in like late October or something. Um, but you had sort of this long off season and you had to figure it out. You know, you had to, had to figure out how to stay sharp and how to um, simulate being in competition. You got to, you know, I sort of come from more of that mentality as a person. I'm not talking about coaching really, but um, Mm -hmm. you know, let's, let's figure out how this is an opportunity and let's figure out how to challenge myself. But, but yeah, Ted, there, there are events out there and then they're filled up and, and popular. Well, you know, like you said, I mean, people just want to get out there and, and, and golf has, has, you know, as I said earlier, has really benefited. Um, you know, it's sad to say, you know, you hate to, to put it in that context, but the truth of the matter is it has benefited from uh, this pandemic because it, it does, you know, have that sort of social, you know, built-in social distancing, if you will. Um, they've had to make some adjustments and modifications, of course, but, I mean, golf courses are, you know, have been booming uh, through the, you know, the summer months and that, and, and still uh, golf instruction has, you know, I know many, many people, Cindy can probably attest to this as well, who, you know, have really filled up their, their lesson tees uh, or lesson plans, if you will, um, just because of so many people just wanting to get the heck out of the house and, and have something to do. And golf was one of the few respites, if you will, of, of being able to do that. Um, so, um, let me just ask one more thing and then, then Cindy, I'll, I'll hand it back to you. Um, what are some of the challenges? Let's, let's forget, you know, the season, let's put the season, you know, out of the picture and just, you know, any season we can pick from, what are some of the challenges that you find as a teacher? Okay. As an instructor and exclusively. Yes. Yes. Okay, just in general, right? Yeah. Um, I'd say the biggest challenge is is really the student who sees the lesson as the practice. So, and, and we all, you know, as a teacher, we have to accommodate whatever time this person is willing to put in. You know, that, that's part of the role. You, you can't, as an instructor, just continue to, to harp on how your students don't practice. You know, obviously we, that's ideal and that means they're invested. But a lot of people, you know, they, they see the lesson as the practice. And I have to understand that that's all they're going to devote to it. And I have to tailor the lesson around like a Band-Aid, you know. And, you know, as the LPGA teachers, you know, the the philosophy is very student-centric. Well, it, I have to accommodate that student. I have to accommodate the student who, who truly believes that this is this is the time that they're giving to make themselves better is the lesson um and and nothing outside of that then they're gonna go play right cindy this is like 80 percent of golfers right <laughs> they take a lesson and then they go play and how much time are they on the practice piece so so ted that that's like the biggest challenge for me is is to 
come from a philosophy of actually really want to make this player better and um, having things for them to do before the next lesson and, and not being able to go down that road, you know, because they're not, they're not going to devote the time, which is their choice. You know, again, neither, it's neither good, bad, nor indifferent, but that is the challenge for me is to sort of um, give people the quick fix, give them the band-aid, not go down the rabbit hole at all. Um, You know, that's the harder thing. And generally when it's like that, I try to focus more on like course management and things that, um, that doesn't require rehearsal, you know, things that don't require rehearsal. Um, But that's, that's part of the, the job, you know, that's, that's part of the, um, part of the role, if you will. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And uh, we all had many students just like that. So, um, Cindy, go ahead. Are you at a club and you're the goal? Tell us exactly what your position is. Yeah, I'm in kind of a funky, um, I'm in kind of a funky position as a college coach because, um, First of all, being in in Los Angeles, uh, when I was in Albany, you know, I could really do, people are just different there, you know. You you come up and practice here every day, have the team up here every single day, every single day at the same club. It's like totally unheard of down here in L.A. You know, people don't want to see us um, from one day to the next, uh, two days in a row. You know, I have like 15 different facilities I have to use because I have to go unnoticed. Um, and so the teaching part of it, you know, in Albany, I could just I teach some lessons. Um, I'm in a really weird spot down here where I have summers off. Uh, I have what, two months off in the, in the winter, month and a half, but I can't really hang my hat anywhere. And so I've had to kind of, um, you know, bounce around, if you will. And and recently I've looked into more of, um, you know, we're all contingency planning right now. Uh, so I've looked into something more permanent. Uh, I have been offered uh, positions, but again, I don't know what's happening, right? I don't I don't know what's happening for the future of college athletics. Um, and I, so I've hesitated to take on, you know, those roles. So uh, since I've been out here, I've, I've really had to just kind of bounce around. Um, I did, I was teaching at Porter Valley Country Club for a couple, uh, for a short while. Um, but then, as I said, I get into my season, I don't have time. You know, it's a full-time job anymore. You can't be a professor and a golf coach, you know, a professor on the side or teach a class on the side. It's, it's a full-on deal. So um, so I've had to kind of bounce around a little bit. But um, always wearing many hats with my, my, my team. Um, I'm a resource for them constantly. So um, how many players it, do you it, have it is what team? it is. It is what it is. Uh, I've got nine. Is that the perfect amount? Yeah, yeah, nine's good. I like eight. You know, if you get start to get too many, um, 
it starts to kind of break up into factions, if you will. It's nice to have like eight for unity, seven or eight, you know, um, but also have some competition for for the for the travel team to be on the travel team and things like that. Do you hold uh, qualifiers? Uh, yeah, um, I can't talk specifically about my you know about CSUN, but coaches, yeah, coaches do hold qualifiers. There are also coaches who just pick the team um, and and don't you know go off of the numbers, if you will. They, they'll they just have the kids kind of play and then kind of get a feel for who's playing well, and they'll they'll pick the squad. So um, there's a variety. There's a variety of strategies to determine the travel team. Awesome. Very cool. Um, so... I guess it, you know, it, it's difficult, as you said, it's difficult really to, because you don't know what's going to happen for next season right now, um, it's very difficult for really to start working on any sort of a strategy because uh, you really haven't had anything this year to, you know, to draw from. Um, so what do you do moving forward? I mean, you just sort of sit and wait and just, you know, keep yourself as best prepared as you can or, or what do you do? Uh, I go on blog talk radio with Ted and Cindy. Well, you come back. Come back every smart girl. I I had a fun time last time. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't I try to come back? It was a lot of fun. Um, But but no, yeah. I'm I'm trying to busy myself with professional development and and growing as a teacher. And um, I held a seminar for the LPGA teachers yesterday on the golfing machine. That was a lot of fun. Um, just signing up, you know, trying to adapt to the virtual life and, and get better. You know, just just make myself, um, further myself in different ways. That's great. Well, we're... That's all we can do. Yep. Yeah. It, yep. It, 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 you know, it's, as I said earlier, it's, you know, it, it, it's been very tough for a lot of people. Um, and, uh, you know, even though we've had some very positive gains in golf in general, um, there's the other side of it, like like your side of it, where, you know, from a collegiate standpoint, uh, and obviously for a while on the tours, um, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we want to wish you um, the best, and, and thank you for that that um, that great plug. We appreciate that very much, and we're definitely going to have you back, and and uh, hopefully when we have you back, you'll have a better idea of what's going to be happening for, for your next season and, um, and um, you know, be able to give us a, uh, an A++ on the report card, as it were. But uh, Gina, as always, thank you very much. We're, we're, we're happy to have you as well, and we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your thoughts. And, and we want to wish you nothing but the best um, for, uh, for CSUN uh, for 2021. Thanks a lot, Ted and Cindy. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, have a good one. All right, one. have a great week. You too. You too, bye. All right, Gina Umek, um, head women's golf coach, coach, uh, coach excuse me, uh, California State University. Um, you know, very, very sad, just on a quick note, and I know we're almost out of time, but, uh, you know, really when you think about the state of it, um, you know, she's right. I mean, there's so many of these young girls and, and the guys too that really don't know what's going to happen. Um 
you know, because of this pandemic and, and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of them have, you know, put a lot of hard work and blood, sweat and tears getting ready just to get to where they are just to have it sort of come to a screeching halt. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I agree with you, Cindy. I hope that they, they get this, uh, you know, vaccine that out to the public uh, ASAP because uh, I don't know how much longer a lot of folks are going to be able to deal with, uh, with the way things are right now. It's just not going to happen. But um, no. on that note, yeah, you're right. Um, it, it just, it's just difficult. But we want to wish uh, the best to everybody. And we want to also, again, thank uh, uh, Anna uh, Bellox uh, for joining us, uh, Carolina Golf Classic champion from the Smetra Tour, and Gina Umek, the uh, head women's golf coach uh, for California State University. Thank you very much, ladies, for joining us uh, early. And uh, on behalf of... Uh, Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Rico. Thanks for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We'll see you next week. God bless everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.